0: I want to invite you, please, to turn in your Bibles this morning to the book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. And if you would, please, find chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians. God willing, we'll go back and we'll get Joseph out of prison next week as we continue our study on God meant it for good, the life of Joseph. You'll be praying about that. And we're looking forward to that. But this morning, we focus our attention on 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And we'll be reading there in just a few minutes. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. (coughs) I understand a tavern was being built in a town that had previously been dry. And of course, that was very unsettling uh, to the believers there. And in the opposition to this tavern, a group of Christians, they got together and they begun an all-night prayer meeting to ask God to intervene. And so they prayed all night. And then the next thing you know, lightning struck that tavern and burned it to the ground. And the owner of that tavern, as you can imagine, was not happy about that. And he actually brought a lawsuit against the church and held them responsible. So in response to that, the Christians hired a lawyer And denied responsibility for the lightning and the tavern being burned to the ground. And so the judge who was going to handle this case, he, uh, I guess, considered all the facts and all that was going on. And the judge had this to say. No matter how this case comes out, one thing is clear. The tavern owner believes in prayer and the Christians do not. That's a convicting thought, isn't it? The tavern owner believes in prayer, but the Christians do not. Let me ask you, friend. Do you believe in prayer? Don't answer audibly. Don't nod your head or shake your head. But do you believe in prayer? Do you really believe that prayer makes a difference? Is prayer vital? Or is it something nice to do, but it's optional? Optional. The great prayer warrior Ian e. Bounds wrote, The most important lesson we can learn is how to pray. The most important lesson we can learn is how to pray. He said, Prayer is the keynote of the most sanctified life, of the holiest ministry. He said, He does the most for God who is the highest skilled in prayer. Jesus Christ exercised his ministry after this order. Billy Graham. Said one time, the three secrets to successful ministry are prayer, prayer, and more prayer. Prayer, prayer, and more prayer. Minette Drumright, a Southern Baptist and a woman of prayer, expressed her concern for the the place of prayer in too many churches. She wrote, "We spend more time praying to keep six saints out of heaven." Than we do getting lost people into heaven. She went on to say at Pentecost they prayed 10 days. And preached 10 minutes and 3,000 were saved. We reverse it. We pray 10 minutes. Preach 10 days. And of course we don't have that kind of results. In this first message of 2009. I want to impress upon all of our hearts again. The importance of prayer. We must be a praying people. And we must be a praying church. And I don't want you to tune me out today and say, well, preacher, I've heard this, I know this. I want you to listen. I want to talk to you today about developing what I'm calling a lifestyle of prayer. A lifestyle of prayer. I believe some people don't pray, and, 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 and they think this way because I can't pray 20 or 30 or even 60 minutes nonstop, I just won't pray. They may never verbalize that, they may never say that, but they feel they're not really prayers because they don't pray for long extended periods of time. Now we don't discount praying long periods of time. That's good and that's right, and we and we ought to do that uh, from time to time. But I want you to realize today the important thing is to pray, period. To pray. Whether your prayer is for five seconds, five minutes, or fifty minutes. I don't want anybody here at Red Hill to discount time spent sincerely talking to their Heavenly Father. We need to learn and we need to live a lifestyle of prayer. That is to be praying all throughout our days. Yes, set times of prayer are beneficial. They're good. But just imagine how much more you would pray in 2009 if you made prayer a lifestyle. Now, the idea of praying all the time is not original with me. By now you should have found 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And I want to point out to you one verse of scripture this morning. And you'll find it at verse 17. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 17. The Bible says very clearly three words here. Pray without ceasing. I want you to say that aloud with me today. Okay? Pray without ceasing. Let's say it again. Pray without ceasing. Some of you think you're too old to memorize scripture. You got that one down? Pray without ceasing. You came today, didn't know that verse. Perhaps you know it now. You memorized a verse of Scripture. What does it mean to pray without ceasing? Well, we understand the word prayer. We're well acquainted with that. We know all about that, right? We practice that, I trust. But what about this without ceasing business? Pray without ceasing. Does that mean that God wants me to quit everything? Move into a cave? And spend every moment of my life on my knees, audibly crying out to God? Is that the idea here? Well, if you go back and look at the Greek word that's translated for us without ceasing, here's what it means. Literally, uninterruptedly. So we can say it this way. Pray uninterruptedly. Now, right away, you mothers of small children, you say, well, I'm lost on that. I can't do anything uninterruptedly. Well, wait a minute. Is God giving us an impossible command here through Paul's writings? Put your finger there and turn back to the first chapter of this book. I want to show you what Paul wrote there. Beginning at verse one. It says in 1 Thessalonians chapter one, verse one, Paul and Sylvanus and Timotheus and to the church of the Thessalonians. Thessalonians, which is in God, the father and in the Lord Jesus Christ, grace be unto you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Watch this next part. We give thanks to God always for you all making mention of you in our prayers. Verse three, remembering without ceasing, without ceasing your work of faith. Your labor of love, and the patience and hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, and the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren beloved, your election of God. You go to the next chapter, chapter two. Notice verse thirteen. Chapter two, verse thirteen. For this cause also, thank we God how, without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the truth uh, or not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. So Paul then writes in chapter five, pray without ceasing. So obviously, Paul is practicing what he's preaching here. So what in the world does it mean? We know that it cannot mean to stay on our knees 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So what does it mean to pray uninterruptedly? Charles Ryrie, the theologian, helps us. He said, outside the New Testament, the word is used of a hacking cough. Ever had a hacking cough? Yeah, Phyllis got one this morning. Thank you for being an illustration for me, by the way. (laughs) Outside the New Testament, Ryrie says it's used for a hacking cough. And said it aptly illustrates what Paul has in mind here about prayer. Just as a person with a hacking cough, example A, is not always audibly coughing, the tendency to cough is always there. So the Christian who prays without ceasing is not always praying audibly, yet prayer is always the attitude and heart of prayer. Do you get that? I called it this morning a lifestyle of prayer. I could have very easily and just as correctly called it an attitude of prayer or even a spirit of prayer. So preacher, what does that mean? Well, Mark Littleton put it this way. Keep the conversation going with God. Never sign off. Pick it up every time you think about it. You young people appreciate this and you that are technologically advanced. It's the difference between dial up and broadband. Do you get that? Some of you got that. You're always online. You're always on. Now, perhaps you're thinking, how does this play out, preacher? How does this work? Well, our supreme example in all things as believers is who? The Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, was a man of prayer. And we should say he is a man of prayer. He ever liveth to make supplication, intercession for us. And we know that he took time in his earthly life to pray and pray often. And it's been said many times that it bears repeating. If the Lord Jesus needed to take time to pray, how much more do we? And I believe we're going to live a lifestyle of prayer. We must start first thing in the morning. If you put your finger there in first Thessalonians, but you already have it memorized anyway. And turn back to Mark chapter one. We read these words about the Lord Jesus. Mark chapter one. And we'll find there verse thirty five. The Bible says in Mark, chapter one, verse thirty five, these words. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed before starting his day. We understand there in Mark, chapter one, the Lord Jesus arose and he took time to go and meet with his father. And what an example for us, what an example for us. I thought about that old song. Ere you left your room this morning, did you think to pray? In the name of Christ our Savior, did you sue for loving favor as a shield today? Don't answer aloud, friend, but do you seek God every morning? Do you turn to the Lord every morning? Every morning we ought to go to the Lord and get the strength that we need to meet that demands of that day. And at the same time, give ourselves to Him afresh and anew. Like the soldier reporting to his superior officer, Private Clements reporting for duty, sir. But you know, I thought about that. Oh, that's not quite right. We have it even better. It's it's like Gideon in in the morning. I hear him running down the hall. If he beats me up and coming in, good morning, daddy. It's coming as a son or a daughter to a father. It's sweet fellowship. It's coming to that father and saying, Lord, I love you. Father, I love you. What would you have me do today? How can I serve you today? In the morning, we pray. It may be before you even pull the sheets back. As I often try to do, just give that day to the Lord and pray. And then, of course, if we're going to live a lifestyle of prayer. We're going to pray at night time. Someone has said prayer is the key to the morning and the bolt of the evening. We find in Luke chapter 6 these words. Would you turn there? Luke chapter 6. And I want you to notice verse 12. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. Speaking of the Lord Jesus again, Luke chapter 6, verse 12. And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray And continued all night in prayer to God. Now, of course, we know the Lord Jesus prayed at night, and at times he prayed all night. Would be a bad thing for us to do at times, I'm sure. But at night, we come again to our Father, our Heavenly Father, and we give him our day. In that nighttime prayer time, I think we rejoice in his goodness. And at the same time, we confess our failings. We can. Review the day with him and talk to him about what has gone on. At that nighttime prayer, we surrender our lives to him again and we give our bodies and our lives to him to keep us through the night. And at nighttime, just like we do with our children and day with us, we get to say, good night, father, I love you. Good night. And you might be thinking, "Well, oh, preacher, I've got those. I pray in the morning. And I pray at night. And if you don't pray in the morning, you probably at least pray at night. As you teach your children even to pray at night. But you say, preacher, to be honest with you, it's the time in between that I'm struggling with. From that morning prayer to that evening prayer. And friend, that's where the lifestyle of prayer comes in. When we say amen to that morning prayer, we don't sign off. We keep the line open. And all through the day, as we go through our day, we talk with him. It's those sentence (coughs) prayers that we offer up. It's those thought prayers, as I like to call them, that we offer up those silent cries from our hearts as we as we face difficulties and even difficult people. We, of course, have some built in prayer times, don't we? We have breakfast and we have lunch and we have supper and we have, well, ever how many times you eat built in prayer times. But this lifestyle of prayer is keeping that line open and talking to the Father all throughout the day. It's also turning our downtime into prayer time. Maybe you never thought about it that way. Mark Littleton wrote the following in the October 2008 edition of In Touch magazine. He says, you might not think that you have much time to pray, but often it's the more mundane moments that make for great prayer. Think of the many times during the day that you have downtime, standing in line. Sitting in traffic or at a light waiting in the doctor's office. Some of you could be prayer warriors. You don't even know it waiting for the family to get out the door, waiting to be served at the restaurant or coffee shop, preparing or cleaning up after dinner, mowing the lawn or gardening, exercising, trying to fall asleep. That's a wonderful time to pray. As you pray and then as you wait in the very last waking hours of the day, the very last waking minutes, you talk to the Father. Taking a shower, watching your kids play outside, taking the dog out, muting the TV on commercial breaks. See how many opportunities there are to take and pray to your Heavenly Father. Just to send up those thought prayers, those sentence prayers. To spend that five minutes or that ten minutes communing with Him as you develop a lifestyle of prayer. of course, if we're talking to the Father, that means we're in touch, we're in contact with the Father. It's going to help us in our Christian life, in our daily lives. Let me interject something here. Perhaps you say, well, preacher, to be honest with you, I'm discouraged in my prayer life. And the reason I don't pray more is because I don't seem to get any answers. Let me share with you what one pastor wrote. Very simple. Four things. If the request is wrong, God says no. If the request is wrong, God says no. If the timing is wrong, God says slow. If the timing is wrong, God says slow. If you are wrong, God says grow. If you're wrong, God says grow. But if the request is right and the timing is right and you are right, God says go. God says yes. Not all about you, but that helps me understand and even look at my own life when I'm not seeing answers to my prayers. It may be a wrong request or it might be a wrong time, a right request, but a wrong time. And God says, not yet, my child. <coughs> it might be that I'm wrong and I need to confess and get it right. And God says, grow But then there are those times, praise God, when the request is right and the timing is right and I'm right and God says, go, God says, yes, God answers that prayer. Three words this morning. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing a lifestyle A prayer. In Hugh Price Hughes' story, the city of everywhere, a man arrived in the city one cold morning. And as he got off the train, the station was like any other station he'd seen. And it had the crowds and it had the red caps, except that everybody was barefooted.
1: They wore no shoes
0: at all. He noticed the cab driver was barefooted and he said, pardon me. I was just wondering why you don't wear shoes. Don't you believe in shoes? Sure we do, the driver said. Why don't you wear them? Oh, that's the question, came the reply. Why don't we wear shoes? Why don't we? Well, at the hotel, it was the same. The clerk, the bellboys, everybody was barefooted. And in the coffee shop, he noticed a nice looking fellow at the table opposite him. And he was also barefooted. He said, I notice you aren't wearing any shoes. I wonder why. Don't you know about shoes? The man replied, of course I know about shoes. Then why don't you wear them? Ah, that's the question. Why don't we? Why don't we? Well, after breakfast, he walked out on the street and in the snow. But every person he saw was barefooted. He asked another man about it. He pointed out how shoes protect the feet from the cold. The man said, We know about shoes. He says, See that building yonder? That is a shoe factory. He says, We're so proud of that plant that every week we gather there to hear the man in charge tell about shoes and how wonderful they are. Then why don't you wear shoes? Ah, that's the question. Don't we believe in prayer? Don't we know what it can mean in our lives? Don't we know what changes could take place in our church, in our world, in our families, in our own lives? Then why don't we pray? Oh, that's the question. Why don't we? Why don't we? In this new year, in 2009, I want to encourage every one of us. To develop, if we haven't already, a lifestyle of prayer. Keeping that line open and talking to the Father, communing with Him, always on, always with Him, always praying. Like a hacking cough. Not always, oddly, but the tendency's there. That's what it means. So in prayer. The line is always open. All we have to do is speak. And the Father hears. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Christian, how about it? Do you pray without ceasing? Do you pray uninterruptedly? (coughs) If not, will you surrender today? And say, yes, Father, I want to have a lifestyle of prayer. I want to have a line that's always open. I want to be talking with you and communing with you. And giving you requests all throughout the day. And fellowshipping with you. A lifestyle of prayer. How about it, Christian? If you're here today and you're unsaved. The prayer you need to pray is the sinner's prayer. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I'm undone. Please forgive me and cleanse me. And make me a child of God. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, would you offer that heartfelt prayer to the Father as we close? Father, we love you. We thank you. We adore you and magnify you. And Lord, so often we're so foolish like the people in that city. Knowing about shoes, but running around barefooted. Lord, we know about prayer. We've seen it. Results We've seen the remarkable things that are accomplished through prayer. We see it in the life of our Lord Jesus. But yet so many times. We don't pray. Forgive us. Help each and every one of us, Lord, that know you. To begin that lifestyle of prayer this very moment. Where the line is open. And we're walking and talking with you. All throughout our days. I pray if there's someone here today that does not know Christ as Lord and Savior. They would offer up that sinner's prayer. That they would trust you. This morning. Before it's eternally too late. Work in the invitation time we pray. We thank you now. In Jesus name. Amen.